All children are different. Because we raised four little people, we know that that's truth, right? One of the boys, and he's not, well, he's kind of here. One of the boys, we couldn't discipline him the normal way because he didn't care about spankings. Ooh, he used this S word. He didn't care about that. You know what he cared about? Taking away his baloney. Remember baloney? He loved baloney. So if, if he got in trouble, we'd take, take away some of his food. And I'm not talking about starving him, but taking away his sweets or whatever it is that, that the kid likes. You know, you got to figure out what works. Are you still with me today? I'm not proud of the, the next part. And I said this last week that I'm sharing some things that I did and some of the things that I shouldn't have done. And I'm just, I'm being honest with you. Today, I'd probably go to jail because I spanked my kids. And before I knew Jesus, hear this, because this is, I'm not proud of this. I was probably rough on my boys, the first two. They turned out good, thank God. And they, they didn't misbehave that much, so they really didn't get in that much trouble. Thank God. Because I had a temper. Don't raise your hand, but how many in this room have a temper? Listen to this. Your kids should not, should not experience that temper. I'll talk about that more in just a minute. I had anger issues. And sometimes that played into my discipline because I would get upset with whatever they did and my anger would take over. Just between us, I've repented between the Lord. And, and once I was born again, that ended. Because I knew in my heart it wasn't right. And I couldn't, I couldn't hurt my kids. That's what I wanted to share with you today. Proper ways to discipline your family. The one thing that I learned after giving my, my, my life to the Lord, and I, again, I can't stress this enough, never discipline or correct your child when you're angry. Never. And I've said that two weeks in a row. That means it's important. We humans, especially the men... We don't know our strength. Right? So if we correct our child's behavior, we could hurt them if we're not careful. And it's so important that you have control of your anger if you're trying to correct your child because the two don't go hand in hand. If and when you become angry, what do you do? What? Thank you. Best advice I can give you. Get away from them for a, a, a few minutes. If that doesn't work, get in your prayer closet. This, could, this can happen as te at the teenage stage as well. So you folks who've had teenagers or are raising them now, whoo, that's when you really get put to the test. And you've got to be so careful with what you say and how you handle those kids. 
Because you can break them, and I don't mean physically. I'm talking mentally, emotionally, if you don't raise them the right way. That's why we need God's help. Say that. We need God's help. All of us do. I don't care how you line up in your family, if you're an aunt, uncle. You know what? All of us are necessary. Our kids need to hear from us. If they're doing dumb things, say something. Don't let them get away with it. Well, they're not my kid. Yeah, they are. It takes a village to raise a child. It really does. And we all need to be a part of that. Pastor Barb, that water is really good. Sometimes you might even need to call a friend. And I don't mean Jesus. You do that first. Sometimes you might need to call a friend and just say, hey, I'm at the point, man. Is there any chance you can, you can come over or can you pray with me? Whatever it takes to bring down that, that anger, that temper, whatever it is you're dealing with. And then go talk to your, your child. All right? I hope this makes sense to you. On the other hand, trying to have a conversation with a toddler, come on, unless you've got Einstein as your child. That first, and listen, I'm not trying to, when kids are little, two, three years old, what do they learn? The English language. They're little sponges. They, they take everything in. They're very intelligent. Don't get me wrong. And yet they poop all over themselves. <laughs> or pee. One of my uh, boys lovingly told my youngest, Troy, who's going to have a baby soon, he and Sarah, he said, you do realize when you change their diapers, the boy, because they're having a boy, it's like a little unwound fire hose. And my son's like, what? He goes, oh yeah, man, if you're not careful, it'll go right in your mouth. And he's like, ah. I think we lost him right there. <laughs> Poor guy. He's like, all right, that's it. I don't want to be a dad now. Nah, he'll be a good dad. There's a reason God gave the little ones, and of course we have the added diaper now, but that padding back there. And it's, it's so that when you swat them, on occasion, just to say, that's wrong, because they don't understand. Now, honey, that's not right. They're not going to get it at two years old. It's okay. Gently, say gently, <laughs> to swat them. And I'm talking gently. You don't want to bruise them. You don't want to hurt them. You don't want to break them. But they need to know that that behavior is wrong. And you might not agree with me, and you don't have to, but I'm just trying to tell you how I see the Scriptures, and I know what I dealt with over the years as a parent, grandparent, children's pastor, and so on. It is the truth, I think. Here's the other part of this. After you have gently disciplined them, corrected them, swatted them on their behind, Always tell them you love them and hug them. Always. So important. 
And this is something I learned after I met Jesus. With older kids, it's not going to be swatting because that's not right. Once they're at an age where they can understand conversation, you can have that with them. And sometimes that's worse than a spanking because, as my boys knew, they dreaded it when Dad said, we're having a talk. Because usually, I'm a preacher, and my talks could go on (laughs) and on. You remember that story where Peter was telling everybody about the Lord, and one of the boys was in the window, and he fell asleep and fell out? That happened a lot when I, no, but it was similar. As your children get older, the correction or the discipline must change. By the time they're old enough to understand there are consequences for those bad choices, and here's, here's another slide, the punishment must match the crime. Yes, the punishment must match the crime. And as I learned over the years, um, my wife was a primary caregiver. She stayed at home, raised our kids What you don't want to do is every time they do something wrong, you say, all right, you're grounded for three months. Who does that hurt? And if you're not the caregiver, what do you do? You're heaping that on your spouse. Things aren't going to go well. So make sure that whatever it is they did, that the punishment fits a crime. Don't, don't give them three months grounded. Come on. You wouldn't even do that to yourself. Be logical in your discipline. Here's something. Go to your spouse and say, what do you think we should do? Get in agreement. Isn't that true? And here's something even better. And we found this worked really, really well. Ask the child, what do you think? your punishment should be. And we were amazed at how sometimes their discipline, their correction that they suggested was worse than what we would have given them. And maybe we try to find a balance. But I'm just saying there are many ways you can do this, but make sure you're on the same page. If you're married, make sure that you're on the same page with your spouse. All right? Oh, yeah, everybody's real excited about this. As your children grow up, so does the discipline. When Jesus was about 12, something happened, which I I find kind of interesting, and at the same time I understand. His family was at the Passover festival, And it was time to go home, and it was a long eight-day thing. You know, they'd all come to Jerusalem. They'd all enjoy festivals like what we're having today. Family got there, you know, they'd love on each other, and then they all went home again. This time, when they went home, their oldest was Jesus. Jesus had brothers. He had four brothers, and he had a number of sisters, but they don't name them, so we don't know exactly how many they had. So Joseph and Mary had kids after Jesus was born. You knew that, right? They left Jesus. What? Their oldest son. They forgot him. 
Just a raise of hands. Any of you ever forget your child? Okay. Honest, honest. Over here. Ah, more and more hands going up. Yeah, you waited to see how many others raised their hand for you raised yours. We left church one night, and, and honestly, we had a big van, and all the boys got in it, and I remembered I forgot something. I had to go back in my office, came back out, got in the van, and we drove home. There were four in there the first time. We get home, 10 minutes goes by or so, and I get the call from one of the leaders at the church. That's a big church, Mount Hope, Lansing. Hey, uh, Norm, did you forget something? I'm like, no, I got my wallet. I got my phone. No. How about Andy? <laughs> little did I know, the little guy that's behind there, that one, that one. Now, he was, what were you, probably seven, eight years old, maybe-ish. You don't remember this, do you? Well, you did it. He had to go to the bathroom, so he just thought, hey, Dad's going in, get something. I might as well, too. Go take care of business. And I didn't know he went in. So, yeah, okay, I did it, too. So don't judge, all right? Because you, you never know when it's going to happen to you. It's not pleasant when it happens because you feel like you're a failure as a parent. But I wanted to read this passage real quick. Luke 2. Why did you need to search? Jesus asked. Now, how many have seen The Chosen? Parts of it? Any of it? This was episode 5. And it actually has this in it. It's cool. I'm not going to ruin it. That won't be spoiler alert, but you kind of know what's going to happen because... They try to stick to Scripture as best they can. They fill in stuff too, but... Didn't you know, Jesus told Mary, that I must be in my Father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. So he was telling his mom and dad, his, his, his stepdad, look, I'm here for a reason. Look up. And the people in the temple were amazed at the things he brought out. But then he, re, he returned to Nazareth with them and was what? Obedient. Obedient. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. I, I love it when it says that. She had to have just been... Oh. Now before you go too far with this, realize that they were raising Jesus. This kid was smart. Obviously, he was teaching the teachers in the temple. That's where they found him. He was in the temple for three days, learning from them, yes, but teaching them as well. He had insights that nobody else had. How would you like one of those to have to raise? And some of you have one of those or two of those. God bless you. It isn't easy being a parent, is it, Mike? No! There are times when you get tested along with them. Every day, it gets better. It does get better. 
Those first nine, ten years as the boys went up to that age, oh man, we had fun. We did have fun. But there were also some challenges. It's not easy being a parent, especially a godly parent. Here's the difference between a godly parent and a worldly parent. Worldly parent will just let the kid go. Let them do whatever it takes. Give me my space. You have your space. We're good. Godly parent? Uh Uh-uh. No, if you love your kid, you're going to correct them. Say that. If you love your kid, you're going to correct them. Just like God corrects those he loves. Right? Right. Hallelujah. I'm getting there. I can't see, so I'm, it's a little harder. That doesn't help either. Hallelujah. This passage shows how important it is that if you have older children, you need to have pre-established guidelines for them. All right? What do you expect? If they do chores, when do they have to have the chores done? If they have a curfew, do they have to be home right at that time, or do you give them a five-minute leeway, you know, if something happens? Or are they going to get in trouble if, if they're late? One minute. Where were you? That's how my parents were when I was raised. If I was one minute late... Correction came. And whatever I wanted to do next time, usually it was, uh uh-uh. Remember last time you went out? You were one minute late. Was that harsh? Maybe. It worked, though. Tell you what, next time I was given a curfew, guess what I did? I got home on time because I didn't want to miss having fun. This is kind of an extreme, but if you have one of those kids who doesn't pay attention, have them write it down and sign it if you come up with an idea. Does this make sense at all? For whatever reason, kids like to push their boundaries. That's why it's so important to discuss the consequences when they deviate. I said this already, I'm going to say it again in a little different way. Let the punishment fit the crime. Jesus, not Jesus, God, the Father, in the garden, do you remember that? Who were the first two kids? Adam and Eve. And what did he tell them? Right out of the gate. Everything here is yours. Enjoy it. Have fun. Build things. Plant things. Ride the animals. Whatever. Enjoy it. Except that one thing. Do not touch, do not eat from the tree of good and evil. Did he love his kids? Some would say, why did he ever put that there? I don't know. Maybe to show them what it meant to be obedient. And they blew it. 
We all know that because now we're all paying the price. But God loved those kids, Adam and Eve, and their kids and their kids. But he gave them specific things they could do and then things they couldn't do. And that wasn't being too harsh. It's just the way it is, right? There are things you want your kids to do, like being polite. How many get blessed when your son or your daughter says thank you to somebody that did something nice for them? Or when your kid gets a, a, a gift at graduation or whatever it is, or they need to say thank you. Put that in your kids. There's nothing wrong with being nice. Right? And some of you need to learn that. As, I, as I'm standing here and I just gave out some thank you cards today and last Sunday, which they were only six weeks late, but sorry about that. It got busy. Um, I'm usually not that bad, but Barb's probably going, yes, he is. Another important thing, the Apostle Paul gave this advice in Colossians, and it's pretty simple. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. So see, when your kids are obedient to you, they're actually blessing God. He gets joy in that. And there's another scripture that says when you're obedient, when, you're on, when you honor your mom and dad, you will be given what? Long life. So there's a blessing there as well. But look at this next verse. Fathers. And why does he pick on the father? Back then, the father was a primary disciplinarian. Usually the mothers just let dad do that. Today it's different, isn't it? We share that responsibility if we have a mom and a dad in the home. Or if you were married once and now you're not, you're still disciplining that child together. And it's so important that we don't confuse them with two different ways. You want to confuse a child, just try that one. Where you got the good cop, bad cop thing going. You know what I mean by that, right? One parent is, oh honey, here's, you, your dad hurt you? Here's a new car. <laughs> what? Your dad wouldn't let you go out? Here, I'll take you to the dance myself. And I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to mock the woman. It, it goes both ways. That's no way to raise a child. I don't care if you are divorced. You need to figure out the best way to raise your kids together. Otherwise, you are, you are going to have a mess on your hands. And I'm sorry if that's you. Fathers, do not aggravate your children. Or they'll become what? Some of the other versions use this, the word to aggravate means not to provoke. Don't come down too hard on them. That's what it's saying by aggravate. The best way to, to avoid aggravating your children is to set clear boundaries. 
You want your kid to be semi-normal as much as any kid can be? Set clear boundaries. What do you expect from them? They cannot argue with you if you've agreed ahead of time with what's right or wrong. And this, this brings me to this little guy again. Oops, I didn't want to go there. Let's see if I got a good picture of him. I got to go all the way back. There he is. All right. He's so cute in this picture. He's still handsome back there, but he came to his mother and I at about three years old. I didn't ask him if I could share this, but you know what? It falls under the parent-child privilege. <laughs> and he actually said this. He said, Mom, Dad, I want to enjoy what, and I don't remember what it was he was going to go do, but it was wrong, and he knew it. I want to go do such and such. Can I have my spanking now so I can enjoy it? <laughs> this this picture's about three-ish right there. So that's what we were dealing with. Who... How would you deal with that? You know what we both did? We cried. He didn't see us. We went in the room and cried. We're like, what do we do? How do you deal with a kid? That... Really? That was our life. He turned out to be a great young man. And, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. We never gave up. Sometimes you just want to give up on your kids, but you can't. They're your responsibility. God's given them to you. And He expects you to do what's right, to correct them when necessary, and to see them become that good, God-fearing young man or woman. You can't give up. And some of you have got challenges like he was at that young age. And I won't go into any of the other stuff he did, but he was so cute. And yet, wow, was he a pistol. He would put his little brother up to stuff. The guy on the left, who's now, he's down there helping his wife with children. He'd get him in trouble. Here, take these scissors. Go, stif go stab the waterbed. All right. I said I wasn't going to tell on him anymore. I think some of my regression is coming out. Hallelujah. Being a parent's not easy. But here's the thing. When our boys got older, and people used to tell us this, they'd say, oh man, terrible teens. It was as bad as the terrible twos. You know what we found? It wasn't. Because we disciplined our kids, we corrected them when they were young. When they got to that age, 12, 13, 14, when their hormones or whatever, testosterone was off, and you're like, who are you? We had a good relationship. They respected us. 
And if a parent can be a friend, we started to have friendly conversations with our boys. We loved the teen years. It was a blast. But we put the work in that first 10 or 11 years. They didn't just happen to be that way. It took work. And that's why I'm saying this today. Invest in your kids. Do what's necessary. Hallelujah. All right, I'm almost done. The older they get, the more that you need to speak to them about the family dynamic. This is what I mean. When your child comes home and, hey, how was your day? Eh, Anything happened today at school? Yeah. If you accept that as an answer, you're not parenting. When they get to that teenage stage, you need to dig a little more. You need to pry. You need to sit them down, look them in the eye, and say, what's going on? I want to hear about your day. I want to hear about the exciting things that are happening or the not-so-exciting things. You need to talk to your children. Some of the best advice, and they're they're learning this, believe it or not, they're learning this modern times. Sit down and have a meal with your kid. It's something we don't do anymore. Here's your McDonald's. Go play video games. Sit down and have a meal with each other. Make the meal together. There's a fun one. But take the time to get into your child's business. Are they going to like that? Anybody that has teens in here, are they going to like that? Usually it's, well, that's my space. Yeah, you're in my home. I want to know what's going on in your life. Go deeper. You know, it was amazing over the years how many times the Holy Spirit put one of our kids on our heart. And often it was both of us at the same time. We would both, we didn't even know sometimes we were doing it. And we would say something to one of our boys and later they would go, how did you know that? Hello? The Holy Spirit. And he helped us raise our boys. That's the best part of being a God-fearing parent. God is there with you. You're not in this alone. Even if you're single and raising your kids, you're not alone. You have the best most powerful advocate on the planet, and that is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah! And when God gives you a little nugget, and he says, you need to go talk to your son or daughter about whatever, then you better go talk to your son or daughter about whatever, because there's something going on. Does this make sense to anybody besides us? Me. All right. And as I said, I said this before, whenever you have one of those intense conversations, that, what do you call it, intense fellowship? Yeah, whenever you have that with your son or daughter, please, 
please, please, always, always, always put your arm around them, hug them, and tell them you love them. And hopefully you'll mean it. I want to tell you something, and and I, I used to say this, it hurts me more than it hurts you. And that was truth. When you discipline your son or daughter, when you correct their behavior, their bad behavior, it hurts. Because you love them. I never wanted to hurt that little, any of those boys. They were all amazing boys. I'm picking on Andy just because it was so easy. Because he gave us so much fodder over the years. And his nephews are back there with him today, and, and they're like, Uncle Andy, I didn't know you were like that. You were my hero. What happened? No. Boys, he is a great dad today, and he turned into a, an awesome teenager. It was just those early stages. We had to work some rough edges off. All right, here we go. Where am I? Finally. Finally. Everybody say finally. Finally. Proverbs, oh, i got to get up there, sorry. Next one, there we go. Do not sin. How many have heard this? Raise your hand. How many practice this? All your hands should have been going. Come on, Ed, really? All right, thank you. I'm like, how could you just, you know it's there, and then when I say how many practice it, How many remember what Jesus said? He said, as you forgive, what? You will be forgiven. So if if you hang on to something, what are you doing? That's unforgiveness. I don't care how stupid, whatever it is your son or daughter did, how stupid it was, you cannot go to bed angry. And there were many late nights with us in our house because of this. We worked it out. Did we? Did we work it out? Do you remember? You probably don't remember. He's just like. All right, let me put this another way. We tried to make this a practice in our home. How's that sound? Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. When you go to bed angry, man, what does that lead to? Strife. You want peace in your house? Practice this. And this isn't just with your kids, you know that. It's especially true with your spouse. If you're married, some of our marriages didn't make it because we didn't practice this. Make sure that you do. I think it's one of the keys to staying married for a long time. And we're going on our 46th this year. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. And I know some of you got us beat by a decade or so. But it takes work. All right. Last page. I'm almost done. This next part, 
And I meant to say this last week, and I didn't get to it. Let me just say that we love you guys, but every now and then we need to get a little bit of a break, and we're going to take what's called as a sabbatical. What's that? <laughs> That's where the church, we're still getting paid, but they're giving us two months off, July and August, to recharge our batteries, to disconnect from the church, and just to kind of get a new view of what God's trying to do in our life and in yours as a, as a leadership thing. Um, Ken Plo. He's not here today, I don't think. I didn't see him. He uh, said this to me last week. I mentioned it to him that we were going to take sabbatical. And he goes, oh, man. He says, I remember this back in 2012 when you guys did it last time. So it's been 10 years. And he said, when you came back, you guys were different. And I'm believing this. And Pastor Barb, are you here? Where is she? Get her in here. I'm not doing this alone. But he said this. He said, when you guys came back, you were, you were on fire. And I'm believing that we're going to come back equally on fire and hopefully even more so. That there are going to be some amazing things that happen as a result of our getting away. Technically, a sabbatical is every seven years, but as I said, it's been ten, and that's because we were supposed to go in 2019, but guess what happened? Yeah, and we decided then that it just wasn't smart to take two months off. And, and listen, because sometimes people say, well, don't you love us? It's like, yeah, that's why we're doing this. You know, it's okay for a parent to get away from their kids once in a while because it makes your kids appreciate how much they miss their parents and vice versa. And that's not why we're doing this, but I'm just using that as an example it's, it's smart to take time for yourself. And I believe God's going to do... Is she here? <sighs> I guess I'm on my own. My goodness. You'd think she has some kind of summer festival going or something. So the purpose of the sabbatical is multifaceted, and that is... It is a time of rest and relaxation, disconnecting, but it's also a time for us to hear from the Lord. And there's just something about not, it's not that the phone rings all the time, but it's that it can. You know what I mean? You're on call 24-7 as, as pastors. And it's just knowing that for this July-August period that somebody else is going to take those calls, somebody else is going to be praying with you, Somebody else is going to be speaking. And I've got a good calendar of people for the, the Sundays that we're gone. And I think you're really going to enjoy them. In fact, this first Sunday, we're kicking it off with a missionary who is part of a sensitive country. And I'm going to leave it at that. And if you're watching online, and I apologize for this, but because he's in us uh, Sensitive country, next Sunday, July 3rd, we will not be live streaming the feed. So if you're not here, you're not going to hear the message. 
If you're here, you're going to hear a powerful message about what God's doing somewhere else in the world. And his wife is going to come, and she's actually going to teach what they do to our children and give them a little bit of an experience about what it's like to be a missionary. So that's next Sunday. That's the very first Sunday. I have some amazing other people coming. One of my professors who was here two years ago, Dr. Lidbeck, is coming back. Uh, we have uh, Otis Buchan and Brooks McElhaney. They are district officials. They're going to be speaking. In fact, Brooks is at the camp this week. Uh, each morning this week at 10 o'clock, he's doing the Bible study at Lost Valley. And uh, he's a very good speaker. So you're going you're gonna to love the guys that are coming. And there's one other guy that you might know a little bit, Brother Ryan. Yeah. I asked him if he would consider doing a week or two, and he said absolutely. So I, I really appreciate that. Ironically, I was going to introduce our board, but there's only one here besides Pastor Roger, because one of them went to Alaska, and the other one uh, isn't here this morning, but Brother Austin, would you stand up? All right. And he's, he's one of our guys, and you have been such a blessing. He's actually our secretary treasurer, um, and of course, Pastor Roger, and uh, he's on the board as well. But they'll be back. They'll be ready for you. Any questions you might have, you can speak to any one of the board members, Greg Borowiak, Peggy Cooley, or Austin. And uh, they'd be happy to help you or lead you in the right direction. And then we have, on your way out, Cheryl has a little half-page handout, which has all of their numbers on it. Yeah. What is that for? It's for emergencies. Don't call them, ah, what do I feed my cat? <laughs> you, you'll just treat them like you treat us, all right? Be good to them. If you, but if you have genuine questions, ask. Melinda's in the office. She's going to be in here on uh, Tuesday through Thursday, just like we are now. So if you have questions about the office, of, about anything financial, you can talk to her. She'll be able to lead you in the right direction as well. Finally, everybody say finally. I would like to have Roger and Mary come on up here, and Ron and Mary... And by the way, retired Assemblies of God pastor Ron Sarbo and Mary, everybody say, good morning! morning. Would you guys come up as well? Um, Pastor Ron and Mary pastored five churches in his career. That's a lot. I'm stuck. This is my second one, really. Well, no, I've been at three, but I've only been lead pastor once. Um, but I guess we just decided we'd stick, stick it out here. Austin, can you come up? Uh, Rosemary, our, our prayer people. Jeff, if you would, if you're in here. Oh, he's making cookies. Jeff, get in here. Oh, there he is. Get over here. What are you doing handing those out? Are you an usher today? Man, you're, you're like a jack-of-all-trades. Who else are we missing? Uh, Barb. <laughs> oh, thank you, Barb. All right, we're going to just pretend like she's here. 
So what I would ask of you, if you would stand and just aim a hand toward these folks. So Pastor Roger and Pastor Ron, Pastor Roger's going to be running the place in that two-month period. Pastor Ron is going to be like the backup guy, and um, if Roger is, uh, can't get to somebody, then Ron said he would be glad to fill in. Thank you for that, by the way. You, you and Mary are amazing. Yep. So we're not leaving you uh, just to flounder. We've, we've got things in order, and uh, all the office stuff's covered. And we, I just wanted to pray for them, and then if you would, if Barb ever makes it back in here, like you guys to pray for us, uh, for our sabbatical. Father, we thank you for each and every one of these folks, and uh, for Peggy and uh, Greg, Lord, who couldn't be here today. We just pray, Lord, just an anointing on them. Lord, that you would give them the wisdom of Solomon, that you would give them discernment, Lord, to know what's up, what's right, what's not, and Lord, as they go through this next two months, I pray it'd be a joy to have us gone. Lord, that they would actually enjoy it, that it would be joyful for them. And Lord, that we, we, we speak peace into their homes because I know that when you step up like this, sometimes that can bring adverse uh, targets. And Lord, I pray peace over their homes, over their families. Give them strength, give them good health, Lord. And uh, whatever might come their way, I pray that they'd be prepared for it as you have prepared them. Holy Spirit, guide them, give them everything. And bless this church, Lord, in our absence. Even though we're not here, Lord, we love these people and we trust that whatever's going to happen this next two months, it's going to be powerful. You're still going to move on Sunday mornings. There are going to be awesome things happening in the Spirit and Lord, you're not done with the people of the hope. You're just beginning. And when Barb and I come back, Lord, I pray that you would just, oh, give us everything we need, Lord, to take this church to the coming of our Lord. We believe it soon. And Lord, we just commit the people of the hope, our leadership, Lord, into your hands. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There she is. Yay, Pastor Barb. Would it be redundant if I had you pray for us? Pastor Barb, get over here. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we come before you this morning with a thankful heart, thanking you for the ones that you've called to this city, and in particular, this church. Lord, you have been faithful throughout your ministry. Until you were ascended up into heaven, you were faithful. And Lord, we know that our pastor and his wife have been faithful to this church. Lord, we're thankful for the rest that only you can give. And Lord, we speak rest upon Pastor Norm and Pastor Barb. Lord, I pray that as they enjoy one another, 
that they would enjoy the presence of you. Lord, as they walk the fields, and as they mow the grass, and as they bake the bread, Father, I pray that they would sense the Spirit of God within their lives, and that bread will taste better, and that grass will look greener. Thank you, Lord, for you said this is the rest, and this is the refreshing that I will give to my people. Father, I pray that as they walk in the Spirit, that they would be led of God to reach out into our community. Lord, for they're not on a, a vacation, they're on a sabbatical. And Lord, we know that their ministry is going to be even greater outside this church, than even as it's been within this church. So Lord, we thank you that you are going to give them rest, that you're going to give them health, that they are going to increase in wisdom. And as they eat that bread, it might be stature also. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would just honor them as they honor you. And we'll give you praise for it. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we love all of you, and uh, thank you for the board and everybody for letting us do this. Um, there she goes. Father, we again just thank you for this church, for every person, Lord, that makes us who we are. And in our absence, I pray that this church would just draw closer to each other. Lord, that you would give them new ideas, new visions for their callings, for what you've asked them to do, how they can serve here and elsewhere, Lord. Let us be just such a big part of your kingdom plan. Grow us up, Lord, as only you can. And Lord, I conclude this prayer with those who are parents and grandparents and raising kids, that you give us everything we need, Lord, to raise our kids right, Help us when it gets tough to know where to turn, how to, how to take time, Lord, to, to readjust our attitude if that's necessary. We just pray for the single moms and dads, Lord, that you would just do something supernatural in their lives and just equip them. Be their, their spouse, Lord. Help them to be victorious as parents. And again, when it's all said and done, we pray that you would be blessed, that you would be well pleased with this church, with our parenting, et cetera, et cetera. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Love you. We will maybe see a day camp. Otherwise, see you September 4th. That's when we'll be back. God bless.